0: My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. And on the cool check-in, center stage on the mic. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. I know it's been over a week, and previously we were doing multiple shows a week, but post-WrestleMania, needed a little bit of a break, but thankfully, on this weekend edition of the Fight Game Podcast, I'm able to talk to my good buddy Doohan, who is also in New Orleans for WrestleMania. That will be part of the the, the show, but we're also going to go heavy into boxing. We haven't done that in a while, so it'll be a good time to get back into the boxing swing of things. But, doing what's going on?
1: Yeah, you mentioned it there. Um, WrestleMania week already seems like a bit of a distant memory, but, uh, you know, I think we both had a great time in New Orleans.
0: Yeah, no, it was great. And, uh, you know, the, the 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 people out there, what they don't know is that you and I, even though we've been communicating on the internet for almost 10 years now, uh, we had never actually met in person. And I had met, I had met uh, Alan, who's a good friend of yours, who's actually the one who introduced us. Um, I'd met Alan uh, the weekend of WrestleMania 31, and that was the first time I had met him and his, his, his lovely, significant other, Sarah. Uh, I guess, is, is it out there? Is it like out in the wild now? That news? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, so I won't get in trouble. Uh, the newlyweds, Alan and yeah, Sarah. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, I was wondering if you and I would ever would ever uh, meet. And uh, and when I heard you were going to New Orleans, I was like, okay, like I have to figure out a way to get out there. And thankfully, we had one night in one wrestling show where we just got to like talk for th- two and a half hours, and
1: it was a blast yeah and I think that might have been maybe my second favorite show of the weekend that was a really good great show. I think you know takeover was the was the best show of that weekend, but I thought that w w n super show may it may have been the next best one
0: it was it was a f it was a really fun show with a really fun main event um but also just us chattering the whole show really helped to get through kind of the dead spots of it. Um, and that, and that made it, that made it good as well because, you know, everyone's been to a wrestling show where, you know, if you're not kind of into the match, you're just kind of talking to, to whoever's near you. And, and so we were able to do that. Um, and then, and then, like you said, the show was good too. So that was, that was good. That was like my third, I think that was my third show, of third wrestling show of the day. And I know that you had, uh you had quite the, the travel and, and, and the sleep schedules and, and all that stuff, so you know, you you also were able to to stay up throughout all of that thing and then you still had two days to go after that.
1: Yeah, that that was that was I think that was my killer day. That was uh, that was a four show day after. Like that was my third show of that four show day. Um, after that, we still had the Joey Janela oh break. Oh my I think, god! I think me, Alan and Sarah ended up going home at like leaving that arena at half three or four. So uh, after getting there at twelve in the afternoon, so that was a seriously long day. And then you know we went on, but like I think what happens with WrestleMania week is you get kind of that glut of indie shows out of the way and then when it's down to the wwe shows and you have w- just one show a day it's just like okay i can handle one show a day now. yeah
0: yeah true did you did you also get to explore a little bit outside of wrestling
1: uh, yeah absolutely like that, that i think that's like if i think uh that that was kind of what i really enjoyed about it as well i did, it was also a holiday in new orleans like when i go away somewhere what i like to do is you know go out have a drink have some food watch some live music that type of thing and i got a chance to do all of that as well while over in new orleans and you know i think that's kind of what makes the trip and you know i had been on the fence about doing a wrestlemania trip several times before in the past but particularly last year and you know i didn't end up going and then when this opportunity came up this year you know i've well in advance I think I'd booked this trip back in September it's like just get in early and and get everything arranged mm-hmm. and um, I had and absolutely no regrets about doing it like because I think the quality of the actual main show itself doesn't really matter even though we did get a good one this year I think it's just more to that weekend you know, there, you know there's so many different styles of shows, so much different entertainment on and then you had just kind of have the holiday aspect of it as well and meeting all uh, new people and things like that it's just it is like if if you're a fan of this type of stuff it's something i would definitely encourage now was there anybody that you met
0: who you were like either well t- two questions who you were like wow that person is re- really cool and much cooler than I thought, or, and you don't have to name names, these people are really wacky, like, the wrestling, the, the WrestleMania crowd, I think a lot of them are really, really cool people, but you get some people who are not really social, <laughs> and you put them in an environment that they really love, and uh, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you, you could kind of get a little frustrated w-
1: with some of those folks. Um, yeah, I think probably what's traditionally been the worst day was is uh, the Raw After Mania. Right. And that was uh, quite t- tempered this year. It wasn't nearly as as bad as it has been in the previous years. There was a few of those fans, but not as much so. The one that really stood out to me as like was actually my first night there. It was at the WrestleCon Super Show, and that was the the most awkward crowd I I, I found to be part of. like that was kind of every kind of preconception I had about WrestleCon yeah you know I kind of felt validated on it <laughs> was it just catcalling or was
0: it like just sort of uh, rude fans like what what was it
1: yeah just just kind of a, a, just kind of a little bit of a obnoxious fans and just like you know just guys looking like you know guys looking for attention constantly from the, from the start of the show to the end to try trying to, to to make the show about themselves and things like that uh which i have no time for
0: yeah yeah no that that's so that yeah, that, that, that like if you you remember um the uh the dallas takeover with nakamura and Sami zayn That was like the match of the weekend is going to be, you know, everyone had just made that match to be way better than it actually was. And um, the thing that bothered me so much in that match is the guys hadn't even locked up yet and the fans were so excited and they wanted it to be so special that they were trying to change the actual history of what was going on. And so they started the Fight Forever chant. They were cheering and clapping and, you know, going crazy before it even started. And then after the match, it was like, oh, this is the greatest match I've ever seen. And I was like, okay, I I get the excitement. I I completely understand being happy for something that you paid for. Like, that's great. Everyone should have that, you know, feeling when when you actually pay money and go to a show. You should feel great about what you just saw. But let's not like change what actually happened right really good match not the best match I'd ever seen in my entire life and after that show was over that's what you had people uh, saying so it's those like those kinds of fans too also really frustrate me but I didn't really see any of them um that weekend and I was very happy uh also probably you know the people that I was sitting next to were, were just really cool and really chill. And, and I think the other thing is there's just an absolute wrestling exhaustion there because you're going to see so many shows as a fan. You can't even really keep up the energy yourself because you're going, you know, like you said, you saw four shows in one day and one that ended at three o'clock in the morning. And it, and it ended with, uh, uh, some, some karaoke. (laughs) Um, the, uh, but, but, you know, I think when you go to that NXT show, or like you said, the WrestleCon show, which was very early in the experience, I can imagine that the the energy is there for those people to do, you know, their their crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, and I guess you talked about a crowd trying to shape. Uh... How, how people perceive a match i think maybe we got the opposite of that in the in the main event of wrestlemania this year <laughs>
0: yeah yeah what a show that was okay so I, I do have to ask you about it because you were there live um and then we can move on to other topics but uh the did, so did you see the pre-show stuff i did okay so you were there you saw the entire thing so you saw the seven hour live experience um when i'll tell you how how it sort of felt on on tv um much like last year's wrestlemania i thought like the first half of this show i was like wow you know this is going to be a really good show as long as they're able to keep the live crowd into it and for the second second year in a row they weren't able to um but As you're watching, being that it's your first WrestleMania, being that you're probably like, wow, like I want this to be really good because I don't know whenever I'm when I'm ever going back. And it would be great to say that I was live at one of the greatest WrestleManias ever. During the first half of that show, you get Charlotte and you get the Ronda match. Are you feeling like that going like, wow, like this may be like one of the best WrestleManias ever?
1: I don't think I ever got to the stage that a lot of people did where they thought this was going to be the greatest show of all time but I did think we were on to a really really good show and another match that you didn't mention there was the opener of the main show with uh Rollins and Miz and and your buddy uh, Fergie I, like I thought that was the ma- match of the night uh, like I I think you know the Ronda one was obviously the biggest event of 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 the night, but I thought that is just as far, far as the pure match goes. I thought that was a, an incredible match. Um, that early part of the show, I thought was was really really strong. Um, and it's funny. There was the exact thing of what you said. There is what I, I said to Alan directly after show. It's like, is this just what WrestleMania is going to be every year from now on? It's got, like with the seven hour format, is it just going to be? this is awesome for the first three, four <laughs> hours. And then it just fizzles out. Is that just like going to be their, their new template, especially when, you know, they have a mindset now of who they're going to allow, to finish this show. And it's different to what their fans want them to do.
0: Yeah. Uh, what uh, what was Alan's thoughts?
1: Um, it, like I think he said he's he thought this year was more down, like you know more of a fizzle out than last year, and um like for him and for me as well, we both kind of thought where they lost the crowd in this was when they did the injury angle with Daniel, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, yep. And I th- and he we both thought also that they still had the chance to get back up to that that height again if nakamura and aj delivered and they didn't
0: true that that's that's a really good point um you know you know what's weird about that is a a wrestling show is generally supposed to slowly build up to the main event right it's like these last few years of wrestlemania have been booked the opposite of how you would normally book wrestling shows like think about wrestlemania 17 which i think many people Uh, have concluded is the greatest WrestleMania of all time like that show didn't start like balls of fire out of the gate right it was like okay this is kind of cool here's some good workers here like I know these guys probably could have a better match but they're in the beginning of the card so I get it and then as you get to like halfway through this show you're like oh my god we still have all these great matches left and they all are delivering and then by the end it's just like everything's just clicking it's almost like they're booking it in the reverse these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It was, I think with this one as well, the, re- the really worrying thing was it was the two world title matches, which I felt were the big disappointment. As, as I just mentioned, Nakamura and Styles, like, you know, there was a certain portion of this crowd that want, like, you know, really wanted that as the main event. And that would have been the wrong choice too. Cause yeah. it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good match. It was yeah. flat. Um, and then the main event they did have the crowd. Like I spoke to Danny when I met, met him about this, the crowd didn't, did not give that match a chance. Um, Absolutely not. M- me and D had slightly different opinions on the quality of the match. I yeah, think he, he really, liked it. He really, he really, he really, he really, it. D- yeah. he really d- dug it. Like I didn't dislike it, but I thought it was not really the type of match I would go for. It was kind of, what we've seen in Brock's main events where there's the same few big moves done over and over and over again. And, you know, the late kickouts and just more and more and more of those. Um, And, you know, that style can work if you have a crowd that's hot for it. But if you don't, it's, it's going to, it's going to die. And like, I remember a conversation we had, you know, probably, not that long after this time last year, uh, when they first were starting to rumor that it was going to be Reigns and Lesnar as mm-hmm. the main event. And we were saying, like, this is with that crowd, this is going to be a mistake for them to put everything on hold and build this match for a year. It will be a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we saw we we saw that coming then.
0: <laughs> so being, you know, you, you've been watching wrestling for, uh, I, I'm guessing, uh you know, three quarters of your life how it, it, knowing that this is the hand you've been dealt or not not even the hand you've been dealt the hand you created uh as Vince McMahon what um how how would you have put the match together knowing this crowd and what the fans were more than likely not going to be into like was there a way for them to put this match together in a way that would get the crowd excited for it because they 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 tr- what they tried to do is they tried to to give the uh, Brock Lesnar Undertaker surprise ending again,
1: and that didn't even and work. and that was the one pop they got. To be fair, true, but it didn't help Roman. No, and it didn't it didn't help the match either because it, like you know the crowd popped after it was over. They did they 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 weren't into it at all from bell to bell. Yeah, so I'm just, I am just—I
0: was just trying to figure, like, how could they have put this match together to where the crowd would have been into it? And, um, you know, if obviously the finish was them trying to swer- swerve the fan base. I don't know. I don't
1: know what it was. If they swapped this match with uh, the Rousey match and had Ronda go on last and put this in the middle of the card, would the fans have been more forgiving of it? because like, that's the only way I, th- I I could I could see it it being treated differently. Because those fans had made their mind up. I don't think there was anything like by the time that first bell had r- 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 rang, that that crowd had decided what they were doing. There was no winning them back at that yeah, point. Yeah, You're probably. I mean,
0: you're probably right about that.
1: Um. Awesome. Well, I, I will just
0: say that it was it was a lot of fun. Finally meeting you in person and hanging out and talking you know all the stuff that we normally talk on podcasts in person. So that was fun and maybe in the distant future one day it'll happen again. Maybe I can even get out to your to your neck of the woods one of these days. Um but uh but yeah, so that was that was a blast and it was it was a nice little meeting and you know I still haven't met Danny in person. <laughs> so that's the next one. I did. One. I know you did. You guys You guys ran into each other outside of the hotel, not even
1: knowing that you guys were staying in the
0: same hotel.
1: Yep. Um, I thought Daddy was waving at me, but it turned out he was waving at my my taxi driver, who he had earlier. (laughs) No, that's hilarious.
0: Like, real life, though, I wouldn't, like, uh, you are so much taller in person than, I mean, I knew that you were a tall guy, but just, like, it was still very shocking. So for him to go, like, Oh, yeah, that's doing I know Doohan. I would have been really surprised if he would have even
1: thought that that was you anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I I couldn't believe it when I saw, saw him outside after, like, I don't know, just one of those things that just came together so so randomly. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right. So uh, so that that's a wrap on
1: WrestleMania weekend. Um, let, let's move on to boxing. Because, oh, just before just before you go, okay, uh, go just for before it. we leave, leave that, I wanted to ask you one thing. Was there – Actually, I had two questions for you. Firstly, I want to ask you, what were your three favorite matches you saw that weekend, either live or on, on TV? And the second one I wanted to ask you was, who were the performers, if anyone, that you saw, that you thought, like, these guys are ready to move up, whether it's move up from the Indies to WWE, move up to NXT, from NXT to the main roster, or just somebody from the main roster already who's ready to take the ball and, uh, you know, start main eventing? So, uh,
0: we can talk about the, 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 I can give you the matches that I saw live and then I'll add the NXT stuff. Um, but the matches I saw live that were my favorites were the, the Riddle Osprey match that we saw, um, that closed out that, that, uh, WWN show. Um, I think the, uh, there, there was a cash. Was it a six man tag at the Rev Pro show? Um, uh, Kotobushi was in it. I I only saw half of it, and it's like I literally walked in the building and was trying to look where I was supposed to be sitting, and um, I had to like stand up and just watch because I didn't want to continue walking to my seat because the crowd was so was going so crazy for it, um, and that so that was one of them. Um, I'm trying to think of what I saw. On the morning stuff that I thought was really great, I mean the the um, the Zack Saber and, and Ishii match was really good. Uh, I would the the one match I wouldn't even say I was disappointed in it because I think it was probably exactly what it should have been. But was the Minoru Suzuki versus Jeff Cobb match? And you know you know I, Jeff Cobb's like one of my favorite guys, um, and Suzuki like you know th- he was there for a particular reason on that show. Uh, I, I I just thought. I wanted to see Jeff go a little bit more toe-to-toe with him, knowing that, you know, he was going to lose the match. Uh, and the only time he did is they were doing this uh, this thing with the, the chops. You know, Suzuki would, would throw the chop. Then Jeff would throw the chop, and Suzuki would just laugh at him. And then Suzuki would throw a chop. Jeff would throw a chop again, and Suzuki would just laugh at him. And, you know, Jeff is such a great seller. So every time Suzuki throws a chop, like, Jeff's, like, kind of, like, trying not to sell, but he's selling and then Suzuki would throw the forearm. Then Jeff would throw the chop. And then finally, like Suzuki threw one more, and instead of uh, instead of a chop, Jeff in return throws a standing drop kick. That, I mean, the, I, I don't know if it really connected, but it, it looked great. And then Suzuki bumped, and like that was like that that was a really good spot in the match. But I wanted them to go a little bit more toe to toe. I think that I think those would be the three that I would say. The fact that I can't remember probably has something to do with how tired I was that weekend. Um, But the NXT, I mean, the Gargano match is probably the best match of the weekend, right?
1: Yeah, for me, I think the Gargano champ would be the match of the weekend and then my two runners-up would be... They would have both involved Walter. One of them would have been Walter versus Sabre from the following progress show, not the one you were at, and Walter against PCO from Janela Spring Break. Oh
0: yes, I, rem- I Okay, that I heard a lot about that about that match, and then Al- Alan told us the story of getting his old WWF magazine signed.
1: He did a photo with with, with the two, two of us holding that magazine. <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
0: So that that was what I shared on on the Instagram, my Instagram. Um, but um, so to answer the other part of your question. Uh, I watched Tony Storm and I was like, okay, you need to bring her up and you need to put her on SmackDown or Raw and just book the entire division around her. And that's partly because I think she's like just the cutest thing in the world. Um, on the guy's side, uh, but like, it's Matt Riddle. Like, how is Riddle not... Um, on WWE TV, you know, whether it's on NXT or the main card, like I can't think of a more perfect WWE guy than Matt Riddle. He has everything that they absolutely look for.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with you on that. I think beforehand, you know, the two people I was looking for to maybe show up in the crowd at NXT or something like that were Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. And, you know, after that, I thought they both had just absolutely unbelievable weekends. And, you know, I think they both belong in that that company for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Keith Lee, I've
0: now I've now seen him a couple of times. I think there's a nice he's got a nice like charm to him as a personality, in addition to just being like this big athletic beast. Um, and I'd never seen Walter before that weekend. And uh, that was a lot of fun seeing him because i didn't, i i i didn't really know who he was or what he was, uh, but I, I really enjoyed his work as well that weekend. And and because you know people kept saying like, oh, you know he, he you know he he's may not be open to WWE, and I was like, I don't even know who this guy is. And like just watching him in one match, I was like, oh, I
1: see why he's on their radar. Oh yeah, he Walter Walter is awesome. Um, I think just from everything i've heard he's got a pretty good setup that he's happy with at home and you know he's not massively interested in relocating he doesn't do a lot of touring dates generally uh, outside of europe so you know he might be a hard guy for them to get but uh oh he 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 he's somebody who could de- definitely add a lot to a lot to their depth um okay uh outside uh, so i mean for
0: you to answer your own question, was there anybody that stood out for you that weekend?
1: Um, well, like, I guess if, uh, the obvious ones would be, on NXT would be Gargano and Champa. Uh, just, like, those two guys are both so ridiculously talented. It's just, you know, I think they can go as far as WWE will let them go. Um, uh, up on the main roster. Um, outside of that, like... You know, I think it was those guys, it was Keith Lee, it was uh, Walter, it was Matt Riddle and another guy that I was, I've was i always been impressed with when I've seen him on TV and just seeing him for, live for the first time and, you know, knowing that WWE are looking for, you know, a, a, a new Mexican star would be uh, Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's like he is a, he is a staggering performer live.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, you know, and and I am I love the fact that Drew McIntyre got called up. I love the fact that Almas got called up. Um, in you know sanity, who knows? Like I'm not sure. I I just have this fear that WWE treats them as like they've treated all of these other tag teams that have come in. You know as just sort of like middle of the road. Um, but uh, hopefully they'll give these guys a chance. My worry about Gargano is we already know who the perfect version of Gargano is. That's Daniel Bryan. And you see the limitations that
1: they put on him, even when he was healthy. Um. Yeah, I, 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 I guess. And do, do you think those limitations are still going to exist now or more with Daniel Bryan? Or do you think that's something that's going to disappear and they're going to look at it now as like okay we've got this guy and we don't know how long we're going to have him first so we got to make the most of it i would like to say that
0: i'm optimistic but the fact that they put him and aj on tv with no build and did it for a stunt but, uh kind that was, of drives that was me a, nuts <laughs> that was a great match though uh, yeah but you know it should be a Summerslam match, right? Or it should be a Royal Rumble match or something. Not just like a throw together. Like you only get to do that, you know, one time really. Um, I think it was a nice little, uh, nice little thing for SmackDown to have, but still, like you know, you got to build that thing up. Um, and then you know, having him kind of bow down to Cass a little bit was uh, interesting. I mean, it's a way to it's a way to get Cass over. But my worry is, is that. He is such a um, valuable utility guy because he's got the the crowd behind him so much that they just continue to use him to help other guys get over, like Cass, um, you know, to get heat on Cass. That's like, okay, but, you know, I I think you have a little bit more value here than, than you're actually uh, using.
1: Yeah, and... Um... I guess what was wh how did you think Brian looked after the time out of the ring? I was, you know, I thought he looked really really good. Yeah, he he looked like he wasn't gone
0: actually. Like I feel like um when he came back the last time around the WrestleMania 31 time frame, I thought he was like a little maybe a little reckless like trying to prove to people like that, you know, he's, he's still got it. And because, you know, coming off of his WrestleMania 30 and then his dad dying and all that, and then the concussion and then not being able to wrestle and then getting the, you know, the strength back into his arm and all that. Like he almost was like, I need to prove to people that I, you know, I didn't lose a step. And this time it it didn't feel like that. It felt like he was just so confident in his ability that, um, he didn't look rushed. He didn't look hurried. He didn't look reckless. I thought he looked like exactly how he should have. He should always look, which is, you know, like the best wrestler in the whole company, just about, you know, outside of one or two guys. So I, I was really
1: impressed with him. Um, and one other thing I was just going to ask you about as well. You have two very special attractions now in WWE. One is Daniel Bryan and the other is Ronda Rousey. Now, for me, neither of those should be full-time wrestlers anymore. They should wrestle exclusively on the WWE network on pay-per-views. What are your thoughts? Because like I just look at those as like they're two, two people who, you know, you ha- you ha- you have there uh, for for limited availability. Like you should be making the most of those guys and u- using them to to, to to drive network subscriptions. What are your thoughts on, on that? Uh,
0: I somewhat agree with Rhonda. The only thing I would worry about with Rhonda is how she would get a lot better by not working a lot. Um, And that's why I think the thing with Natalie uh, or Natalia is, is, is very smart because I don't know how many matches they'll have, but she's sort of the perfect person for you to kind of hone your craft and get better at your craft with. For Brian... I I think I mean I agree with you based on my comment on the AJ Styles thing, right? Like that's kind that's kind of what I, I really mean in that you can't you can't just throw this guy in on SmackDown and have matches. Like you need to book him smartly. Um, you know maybe he's not only just a special attraction. Maybe he works a little bit m- more than than that. But he needs to be treated special. He can't just be treated like. You know the this is it's coming, but his loss on SmackDown television is going to drive me nuts, right? Like, like at some point they're just going to be like, oh yeah, you know, you know what? We're going to put him in this tag, and you know, Big Cass is going to hit him with the boot. He's not going to see it coming and pin him. It'll be so great for Cass, and I'm going to be like, why, Like, why are you doing this? But you know, whatever.
1: Okay. No, I, that was just a few little things I wanted to get your opinion on. But now we can wrap it up on video weekend after that. At that.
0: Okay. Cool. Because I am ch- kind of chomping at the bit to talk about boxing. Um, so, right before we started recording, uh, we just we both saw uh, Amir Khan. Uh, he was on. Now, I, this is different from a television perspective, uh, for you but in the US he was on ESPN Plus which is the new subscription service for ESPN which is heavily um rooted by top-ranked boxing and a lot of a lot of Bob Arum's cards and also uh a, lo- a boxing library which has uh, and I con- only glanced at it but there's a ton of Ali stuff in this library full fights and uh I saw Kevin Ioli tweet out that there's actually uh, a ton of Sugar A Robinson fights as well, so that's going to be something to dig through uh you know as if we have time to do so, but you know in in theory um and so Amir Khan fought a gentleman by the name of Phil Logreco earlier today how what was uh Was there a lot of anticipation for this fight? You know, we're were, uh, over by you. Like, did you feel like this was a a big thing? Um, Because over here, like, I barely even heard anything about it
1: yeah it it was kind of like this was Khan's first fight back in the uk in five years and his first time back in the ring in general in in two years so he he has been out a long time but in that time you know he's been doing some reality tv and stuff like that and i think you know his profile locally is probably like you know that all that stuff is kind of a little bit out of my wheelhouse but uh, i think his profile locally has uh probably grown somewhat um this was a sold out show and you know after one of the things that was very recognizable was that he was very he was uh, like drilling home that the uk is gonna be his home when it comes to his career now uh moving forward like he was saying um you know he wants to fight as much as possible in the uk again and in these type of uh, these type of sold out arenas and things like that and i think for amir for a long time I think there was a little bit of frustration on his side in that you know he had based his career in America and you know, then after he did that, boxing took off in the UK again and you started seeing these big, big stadium shows uh, in the UK and he was doing these kind of, okay, these biggest shows in America, but like not there it, it was not ones that would have anything like the type of live attendants like, you know, Frotch and Joshua and Brooke and these guys were doing at at home and you know I think that probably stuck in his crawl a little bit and you know I think he's there looking at this as you know this is my last run and you know I can make it make a, a, a big play at home to get those uh, last few big fights in
0: right um, so he <clears throat> he looked very impressive he won in I, I believe it was 39 seconds um, and the thing that I was looking for and, and I think it's mostly what we look for with him now is his ability to, to uh, to take a punch, because um, he's still got you know he's still very athletic and he's and, and he's got fast hands and he's and he and he you know he is fast as well inside the inside the ring. But the one thing that you worry about with him is when he gets hit and how he reacts to getting hit. We didn't see that today because his offense was really dynamic and the, and the the guy that he was fighting, I don't know exactly what the, what the strategy was there um, sort of keeping his, his lead hand or his, uh, his jab hand away from, you know, his face and like this weird measuring thing. Um, and, and Khan just ate him up, literally just ate him up like for breakfast. Uh, so how impressed were you with him? And in winning so quickly, how do you do you, how quickly until he gets back into into some of these bigger fights? Is it going to be immediately? Uh, I think uh, Kel Brook was ringside. Um, or are they going to still is he going to kind of come back a little bit more slowly than than getting right back into the whole scheme of things?
1: Yeah, I was like really impressed, with Khan, And there's only so much you can tell in forty seconds, but I had forgotten just how quick he was. I don't like. I don't think there's anybody in boxing who moves like that. When he he's just like a whirlwind when he when he when he when he, when he, when he, when he comes in and fights the way he did tonight. And um, you know, I think that's something that's been missing on in him in his last few fights, probably since he left left f- f- Freddie Roach. Um, you know, he used to always get off that fast start, even like. If you think of his tough fights he had during that period against uh, Maidana and Peterson, he had both of those guys down in the first round. Like because when he comes out with that speed, it, it just takes people a while to adjust to it. Like he gets through with a windmill a win of shots because people just aren't, expect, aren't expecting it. They, they can't react react to him and get the defenses up fast enough. And that's what I kind of saw here that I hadn't seen in, in a while. I think he'd been fighting a little bit more of. A cautious, you know, maybe risk of for adverse style, um, which in some ways makes sense for him, uh, because because he has got those vulnerabilities, and you know, it, it, the, the question will always be over his chin. But I think you know if you t- if 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 you take away his offensive weapons as well, like it just it, it limits him as a fighter. I think you you know at this stage of his career, you just kind of have to. Uh, he just has to go with what brought him to the dance. You know, he has to be, you know, that whirlwind attacking fighter and, and uh, you know, try to blow people out of, out of there. Uh, you know, uh, like, you know, if he's going to re- re- reach another world title, I think that's the style he needs to fight. Um, and as far as the big fights go, you know, after two years out of the ring, he can't. I don't think, you know, a one-round blowout is enough to put him back into... You know, a hard fight. I think he needs rounds. I think you know he needs somebody in there with him who can at least take him five to six rounds before they can start putting him in, um, uh, 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 like you know, with, with the lead of the division. The interesting thing for me now is, is if if they do go with that Kel fight because, in theory, there's no obstacles anymore. They're both now signed with Eddie Hearn. Um. With, with, with like Hearn wants to make the fight, he's made no bones about, about that. Uh, but I think the, the 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 thing now is, you know, they like at one point this was the biggest fight in British boxing. Um, they both had very rough periods where it lost a lot of its luster, mm-hmm. and you know they've both now come back with two big impressive wins. Brooke took out Robertenko in two rounds, and. Can can take out Le Greco in one round, and they that it looks like a hot fight again now. But you're kind of, I think you're kind of in this, in the, in a situation where they both need another fight and a testing fight, like Brook because of the injuries. Um, you know he had two broken orbital bones, one on each side in the, in in two, in two fight two consecutive fights, and you need to see if he can take a shot. And we can, you need to see if he can go rounds. Yeah. So I like I feel like this. Fight has gone from being huge to being like a small fight to now being a big fight again. But uh, do you risk it? Uh, risk it with both of them having one more fight in the interim, which they really should have uh, to make it a huge fight again. You know, ideally, you'd want to get a belt on one of these two guys before you you, you have to have them make that fight.
0: Could you put them both on the same card
1: if you have the money to do it? <laughs>
0: Um, so, you know, I was reading up on Khan cause I was, cause when you said that he, he'd been out for two years, I was like, wow, has it really been that long? And there was a fight that I think we thought, I, I don't know if I really thought it was going to happen, but there was some inklings around him fighting Pacquiao and, um, that I think that was sometime last year. And then it fell apart and then it, you know, Bob Arum said that there was really, it wasn't really that serious or whatever, but I, 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 it made me think like, you know, is he, is, is it people, you know, why, why would a fight with Pacquiao and Khan not take place? Uh, and maybe fights with Pacquiao these days are, are a little bit harder to, to make for whatever reason. But I, it just it just made me wonder, like, it, you know, if if you're trying to put together fights that are interesting to the public, like that fight is really interesting. And it, it just seemed like, you know, why why couldn't something like that have been put together uh, in, in 17 when it seemed like it, it could have been a really good timing for both of them?
1: Yeah, it could have been, and you you can't really see any reason for it because Pacquiao went on to fight Jeff Horn, and you know Khan's obviously a bigger name in the sport than Horn is. You know, I know Khan had some issues outside the ring, and it seems that he's also had, you know, some niggling injuries that have been hanging on for a while. You know, he said, you know, this is the first time he's felt good going into a fight in a very long time. You know, his, his injuries have cleared up. He's been able. He said, you know, he's, he was able to he was able to commit to his power for the first time in a long time. You know. And, you know, you, you hear that a lot with boxers. They, they say, oh, you know, we ha- I had these problems and then they're out of the way and I'm going to be better than I ever was. You know, after two years out, do I think Khan's necessarily going to be a better fighter? That's hard to say. I don't don't necessarily think so. Um but he looked really, 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 really good tonight, and you know he he still he, he showed he's still a dangerous a dangerous opponent for guys out there, and you know there is big fights out there for both him and Brook uh, to be made either against uh, one another or against the other the other guys in in, uh, in between junior middleweight and uh, uh, welterweight.
0: So there's another fight
1: that we watched,
0: and Showtime has a pretty interesting card uh, in the U.S. Um, with uh, Adrian Broner and Jesse Vargas uh, atop, I, I guess Broner is still someone people cares, about, someone people care about. Um, I don't, I'm not exactly sure why, based on uh, uh, his actual output as a boxer. But um, there are three fights on the main Showtime card, uh, and as of us discussing or as of us talking about this uh, the, the, the card is almost about to start, but we're not going to cover those fights obviously because we're not watching them now. And with the time difference for you, it'd be really hard for you to even watch these fights live. So on the sort of under, under card of that kickoff to the broadcast was, um, some other fights on Facebook and YouTube, but through the Showtime brand. And the main event of that show was, uh, Carl Frampton and, uh, and the Filipino Flash, uh, Nunito Donaire. So we got to watch that um, as well today during the day, and quite a different fight than the American fight. fight. Um, not as uh, not as explosive, obviously. Uh, nothing nothing is re- is really as explosive as a thirty nine second knockout. Um, but it was uh, it was kind of an interesting experience for me because. You know, I already mentioned the ESPN Plus thing with Khan. With I thought that worked pretty good, though the whole sign up process is kind of a pain in the butt. Um, I had already, uh, I had already done the thirty day free test thing. Like I had already prepared for that on uh, on Thursday on Friday because I knew I I, I didn't want I, I knew there was a possibility that I was going to be late. I just kind of wanted it all to work. And so before I left today, I was like, you know what, I need to check on this ESPN live uh, ESPN Plus thing. So I dial up the app on my Apple TV and I'm like, why isn't and not recognizing that I already ordered this thing. And so what it turns out that I had to like sync my account together with something else, and it was like a four step process. So that is not good for this type of service. Like it literally it literally should be a lot easier, especially if you want people to to buy to buy it for for live stuff. Um but the Facebook thing is a lot easier. Uh, you if you if you are on Facebook, you can just go to Facebook and go to the page of the of the Showtime and then it'll see the option to just click on the fight and you can watch the web browser. I watched it through the Apple TV app. It was a little harder to find it because it wasn't on the menu algorithm or whatever that was given to me, which means that Facebook probably the algorithm's probably not that good because what else do am I going to watch on Facebook? But, um, once I got that going, it was pretty simple. Uh, but I will say that the ESPN plus experience was a lot better from a video standpoint, just from a presentation standpoint, the Facebook feed looked sort of like an old WWF dingy, like dark arena style of match. And, um, so I was kind of I mean not that it really mattered cuz if you want to watch boxing you you're going to watch it no matter what but uh I will say the the Facebook experience was a little bit of a letdown just from a, a quality standpoint but the ESPN one was impressive. So for those who are you know looking at different ways to to watch sports these days these are going to be some options very quickly and we saw with the uh with the WWE's mixed match challenge like I think people are gonna go into these avenues and see where you know if they can if they can find the viewership um so getting that whole big preamble out of the way uh what did you think of the fight and uh you know what what is what does a fight like this you know mean to the the future of the uh one hundred and twenty six pound division
1: yeah, I had weird feelings about this fight in just that I felt it was two guys who have shown that they're on the slide, and I thought, you know, that in the ring they're probably going to match up quite well, and you're probably going to see a pretty good fight. But whatever result you get is probably going to be something of a mirage because, you know, it, you're you're comparing them with another another fading fighter. And um, I think, you know, Frampton's peak was probably two years ago, and Donaires was more like four years ago. And you know, I think if you could have taken. Each guy from that period and match them against each other, you would have had this incredible war. But like as it was, it was I think it was still a really good fight. But you know the guy who won was just the, like, I think the fresher of the two. The guy who maybe like they're both a little bit undersized at that that current weight class, but I think Frampton's more suited to it, and it, he just had that little bit more in the tank. And yeah, you know he like. He fairly beat up Nanito. Nanito had a few flashes of his old self. He showed he showed some nice uppercuts now and then that he'd connect with, and he he caused Frampton a few, couple of problems along the way. But uh, overall, I think Frampton won out pretty handily. And you know, it's kind of this one is kind of a, a bridge fight to set up what Frampton's wanted kind of his entire career, which is a big outdoor stadium fight in Belfast, which will hopefully. Be next for him um i think he's up against it in terms of his opposition for that because you know you look at the champions there you've got santa cruz he fought twice he beat he beat narrowly once and he was kind of well beaten the second time um you gary russell jr who's a very good fighter um oscar valdez he's a very good fighter and um lee selby who's just a difficult matchup for him so i think whoever which whichever champion he targets next i think it's going to be at this stage of the career it's going to be a really big ask for him but you know he ha he, he has been a great fighter and he, he deserves that uh one, one last big shot <clears throat> Uh
0: um, when you say like you know because i i know i know that uh nonito is, is kind of on his way you know he's a little older i think he's in his mid-30s now but frampton is still you know he's still kind of on just i think he's 31 um what 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 do you think makes him sort of being on the other side of his prime already uh it's not like he's fought a lot like he you know from a fight standpoint he hasn't you know been in uh been in i think he's only been in Mid twenties fights wise, but what is it that in in his performances lately that makes you believe
1: he's kind of leaning towards the downside? I think I think a large part of it is that you know he was a very strong super bantamweight, and when he grew out that grew out that division, it probably didn't suit him to move up. Where he's just because he's he's quite a short guy anyway. Uh, I think he's a little bit undersized and. uh, at uh, I, I, I 126 and you know i think also just you know people in those l- lighter weight categories d- d- generally tend to peak early especially if it's a guy like frampton who you know you said he hasn't had a very long career but you know he did have a very quite a long amateur career he's been boxing since he was a kid he's you know he's had all those years making weight and you know he's had some tough fights along the way as well i think i just think you know he, not to say that he's over the hill, but I think he is—he is a little bit past his best, and I think he's going to struggle. Like I think he will struggle to win another world world title at this stage in his career, to be honest.
0: Um. Okay, so let's move on to some of the other bigger topics in in the sport of boxing. Um, one of those topics is that Canelo Alvarez was suspended, uh, which puts his fight—the the the fight that he was supposed to have against uh, Triple G. Uh, around the time of Cinco de Mayo. That is now off. They can obviously do it in September. The suspension will will be over by then. But Canelo is suspended for failing for clenbuterol. And this is sort of a... Those who fail for this drug are often doing so more for a cultural reason than for an actual performance-enhancing drug reason. Um, the story is that he uh, he failed two random drug tests, uh, and they were, I believe, they were two days apart uh, for this drug. And the drug uh, is in 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 the trace amounts that it was found in Canelo's system is often uh, from the meat in uh in in uh, Mexico and China so the the you know the the red flag is that he failed the test but if you kind of look a little bit deeper into it uh the fact that there were it was trace amounts and and, and the fact that the second time that he was tested it was only a couple of days later and the trace amount was even less leads you to believe that it was A, from the same sample or from the same level of meat, but also that it probably wasn't because he was using clenbuterol in the ways that some people use clenbuterol as a PED. Now, because there is not uh, a USADA in boxing, because this often happens in MMA and these guys are given a, a free pass because they understand how this stuff happens, the boxing community, um, because of the drug testing not being as prevalent in boxing, they are not very sensitive towards what is probably the reason for Canelo failing. That is not to say that he hasn't taken anything else in other times. Like, I, I don't, you know, who knows, right? Like, uh, you just imagine that most of these guys, if they can, may, may be cheating. But um, in this instance, in this single instance it seems like they got this one wrong. And so I just did a quick query of Canelo's name and I saw an article from a guy from the Las Vegas sports review who was basically saying that the fact that Canelo didn't get suspended for a year or two years is what's wrong with this sport. Not Uh, not sensitive at all to probably what had happened. So it leads me to believe if these are boxing writers, that the majority of them are just not as clued in on the drug testing as they should be. And it's really, it is their job. So the fact that they aren't is kind of just, you know, just them not being good enough at their jobs. But that is a very long winded way of saying that personally, I don't think this fight should have been canceled but I can understand the public perception from an educational standpoint because it's very um it's very sort of like it really deep in the details and for a casual fan to even understand like what's going on is you know, I, I can imagine they're just like, ah, oh, like this is why I don't follow this stuff, you know? So what are your thoughts on this whole situation? Um and, you know, the just the whole idea that all of a sudden Canelo is now fingered as a cheater and Triple G is not stopping this <laughs> this uh, this reputation. He's he's actually kind of leading it, like uh, waving a flag about Canelo being a cheater.
1: Um, yeah, like let's preface this by saying both you and I are huge advocates of a clean sport. And we vote g- guys who frequently said we wanted to see strict stricter testing, whether it's in boxing or MMA absolutely Um, with that being said i think this fight should be happening i'm not a doctor or a chemist or whatever but just from what i've learned from people who do know you know there is a case in mexico and china where a lot of the cows are you know contaminated with clenbuterol and uh you know, there's example. There's examples that we can go back to, like the Beijing Olympics. There was a lot of athletes that tested for clenbuterol, and they were, they these were wiped away. People saw sense in it. They said, "Okay, that guy probably had a stake." That's not <laughs> right? Yeah, the end, end of the, end of the world will will overlook that. And there was the same thing with um, an international soccer tor- tournament a couple of years ago in uh, Mexico. So, like, there is a precedent here. Um for this type of thing happening if as you said with usada and with in the ufc like if 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 fire tested positive for the amount that canelo did it would be overlooked and um, it should i think it should have been overlooked for for Wada as well and like you know i guess the thing more than anything is like that stood out to me is like if he tested twice for such small trace amounts yeah and they were tasting Testing that rigidly, there would have been one test if there was a bigger amount in a, a much more concentrated amount in a system. There would have been a test which would have showed it would have shown that at some stage you would have to think.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and
1: would it? I, I,
0: you know, I don't know how many times he had been tested, um, and I'm actually pulling information from an article uh, on, uh, dot com by writer, uh, Ian Kidd, who, uh, did, you know, I think, I think a, he, he really understands this stuff uh, very well, but B, he did his homework as well. So according to him, um, he gave two samples to the voluntary anti-doping agency, VADA, one on fe- February 17th and one on February 20th. Both samples tested positive for clenbuterol. Um, one uh the first sample was uh 0.6 to 0.8 uh and the second sample was 0.06 to 0.08 so it it had got it had gotten you know even even more tr- uh, of a trace amounts in that second sample so i who knows if he was tested before then Um, but, but what, what I also think is that, uh, when it comes to the tainted meat, I think it's just a situation of being unlucky because I think if you test within uh, a week, then you'll probably catch it. But if it's outside of a week, then it's, it's already going to be out of his system. So this is probably a situation where Canelo had meat, uh, had a steak on, you know, a day or two before the first test. And then they just tested them twice in a row, like, you know, randomly. And it's unfortunate that, you know, that they did because it was just still in the system. So, you know, I I, I wish uh, this is one of those things where I'm so fascinated by it, you know, PEDs in general, drug testing, you know, just sort of the, the science uh, of it. I, I'm so interested in it uh you know if if we had uh you know 72 hours in a day instead of 24 i would probably like be really invested in it and study it a lot but you know we're we're only going by stuff that smart people who we who who we read uh who th- what what they're doing so i you know I, I think ian is probably a lot smarter about this than most people so uh you know uh, our buddy big dave Meltzer vouches for him and and so uh I, you know one
1: I, of the reasons one of the reasons why i, why I was interested in talking to you about this is because i knew you would be talking to dave yeah. and, you know dave is somebody who you know t- uh, thank god for him because you know none of the uh, very few of the boxing writers actually did an accurate job of reporting this story and dave is somebody who kind of you know bro- broke it uh, broke it down the way it was and you know, I think part, part of the problem with this is we've heard so many excuses that like, you know, with like guys like Anderson Silva or, you know, these different fighters where, you know, they'll talk about tainted supplements and things like that. And, you know, they'll give this list of contaminated supplements that they may have taken. And, you know, they haven't they hadn't declared those anyway, which, you know, would would have been a violation in the first place, even if they hadn't been taking them. Um and, like, you know, I think the public is just kind of sick of is, yeah. is sick of hearing excuses. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, Canelo's got swept into that, which is, you know, uh, just, you know, an, uh, an unfortunate situation a- to be in. But the thing that's strange about it, though, it, to me, is, like, people are so, so um, quick to point the blame at him and, you know, throw him under the bus for this. Whereas we've seen guys who have been caught red-handed and have been allowed to fight Mm -hmm, like guys mm -hmm. like Povetkin Mm -hmm. and Morales and Lesnar and nobody blinked an eye about it. Like (laughs) in this case, Canelo maybe had a burger or a steak or something. You, you you can't ban somebody every time they have a steak dinner, Gigi. Yeah,
0: I know. I know. And um, yeah, I I completely agree with you. Uh, The, 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 this is kind of going to be have a he's going to have this stench for for a long time, and it's going to be an uneducated for an uneducated reason, um, and you know i I sort of get the gamesmanship by Golovkin. You know, he probably thinks that Canelo's taking way more than just clinbuterol, Um, but you know that it is it is what it is, and because the, you know, the sport of boxing in of itself doesn't have uh, one special you know the fact that they don't even have mandatory drug testing in the same way that the UFC does is kind of like mind blowing considering the sport in of itself um uh, but that's another topic for another day uh but thinking so just kind of you know related to this um Triple G does have a new opponent for Cinco De Mayo uh, I how do you even pronounce this guy's name? Va- Vanis Mar, Mar- Marterosian. Yeah, Ma- Ma- Marterosian. Yeah.
1: Marterosian.
0: Yet. Yeah. So, who is this guy? And is is he just kind of uh, is he just a fight for for Triple G to kind of stay stay loose, or is he any kind of contender?
1: Um, Marterosian was a decent junior middleweight a couple of years ago he hasn't fought in like two years now and you know he generally lost to the top guys like he lost Ar- Erislandy Lara he lost to uh, Demetrius Andrade and he lost to Jermel Charlo um, and I was just I just found it strange that Golovkin's team were so quick to want to rush into a fight like it's it's kind of a question of do you want to fight or do you, do you just want a fight or do you want a, the right fight you know yeah. there's a lot of money on the table for him at the moment and you know for him to just take this type of keep busy fight just doesn't make a lot of sense to me you know he's expected to knock this guy out in short order and if he doesn't do it um you know it's probably going to Take 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 something away from the, the the eventual Canelo rematch, and you know the the other thing is like you, you you've run the risk of you know does he could he pick up a hand injury could he right, get a right. bad a clash of heads and get a bad cut all, all these risks like I I don't see the purpose for the, for his team wanting to take this necessarily, but I guess on the flip side you know you look at Golovkin and. When he was at his best, he was fighting very regularly. You remember when he was coming up on on the American networks, he used to take fights in between on those shows in Monaco just to stay busy. Like if he'd take a smaller fight in Monaco, and you know he'd fight three to four times a year. He hasn't been doing that since he's moved because, like, with any fighter, once you move up to a certain level, you know it doesn't make cash common sense to have these guys fight every three months you know you had to have the time to promote them right like when when, when you're in these big pay-per-view fights maybe he just feels he'll be a better fighter for staying busy and having another fight in the interim i don't know i don't know what his decision making is on that personally i would have held it off but you know just going on to when he does eventually fight canelo the, the second time I have a sense that we're going to see a much more conclusive fight this time one way or another. I think, you know, with the delays and everything like that and the holdups and the frustrations, I think it's going to be much less rigid than it was last time. I yeah. think guys are going to make mistakes and either one of them's going to get their lights put out or make a big enough mistake that the other one and, you know, then try try chase the fight to get back into it and you know the gap will just widen between them so i think you know this time we're gonna see a very clear clean and clear winner when when they do meet in the ring i agree with you and i think
0: um and i think the boxing public uh definitely hope so uh because i think there's still a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth about the about the um At least the one scorecard, like I I have no problem with that fight being close. I had it close, but it's just that one wide scorecard just leaves a bad taste in your mouth about about the whole thing. Um, And and I hope so. You know, uh, it's going to be a good fight. Both guys are are great. You know, they may not be. um, You know, I I can't even say they may not be. You know, great in other eras. They 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 would be like they're both really really great fighters. Uh, Unfortunately, they each kind of became each other's rival in a, in a sort of non-traditional way. Um, And, you know, they didn't each have that, that other guy to, to really, to really uh, to drive them. Uh, But, you know, I I feel like the, the main problem with this fight is uh, neither guy is, is really that dynamic of a personality. And, and, they need the other guy to kind of step it up a little bit, and maybe that's why Golovkin is is you know doing the 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 cheater stuff uh, because they're both sort of soft spoken, like nice guys. Like you don't really dislike either guy for any reason. So the build in something like this is kind of it, it's it's not um, it's not really the right way to build a, a big blockbuster fight because there's really no heel in the whole thing.
1: No, um, but I guess one thing. I'd be curi- curious to know your opinion on. Do you think there's any way this hold up could actually benefit Canelo? In that, I remember the first time this fight was coming around, we were saying, you know, Canelo's the guy who's probably, you know, he's a younger guy, he's the one who's probably still improving, and Golovkin's probably not what he once was, you know. He is going to be a few more months older when they do eventually meet. He's going to have had one extra training a camp and one extra fight. You know, if they were close, close enough first time around, could that tip the balance in Canelo's favor second time around?
0: I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to win this fight because all the cards we're in his hand and and you know this like like you said this fight goes back many years that we've been talking about it and every time i said look canelo is the one who's the draw right now he doesn't have to take this fight he could take a fight with amir khan and do 600,000 buys right and and they did that and it and that fight even uh, outdid mayweather's uh last uh, actual fight with Andre Berto from a pay-per-view standpoint. So he was the draw. So there was no rush for him to do a deal that didn't work out, you know, really well in his favor. And the the leverage, he has that leverage. And the other leverage was that Golovkin was getting older and he was just trying to build his, his name in the U.S. And he, and he was really hot and he, they wanted to take advantage of that and Canelo was able to say more golden boy than Canelo they were able to say you know this is this is a risky fight for for Canelo thus it needs to be uh you know a great deal in order for it to make sense for us and they finally did it and they put it together last year if Canelo with all of these advantages time youth um, his name being bigger if he doesn't win this fight i think it's almost might be a little bit of a disappointment. Now, if it's a close fight, if, if there's if it's a little bit more disputed, they can always come back a third time. But if Golovkin, um, you know, kind of leads all the exchanges like, like last year and, uh, and, and to the, to the casual fan eye, sometimes that's all they, they really need to do in order to fit, to win in, in, in the casual fans point of view. Um, I, I really wonder it, it, how 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 much that would hurt him because all the advantages now are in his favor, and it's really put up or shut up time. I think.
1: Um. Yeah. And uh, like the, pre- the pressure, particularly after kind of the negative press he's had, w- whether it's his fault or not, the pressure is going to be on him. He's going to have to d- turn in a performance here.
0: Uh. And yeah, I I full, I. I picked him to win the first time, and I'm gonna pick him again. But it may just be one of those things where he he is a really good fighter, and when it comes to the big one, you know, he he's gonna he may struggle, and that that may be what that ha- what that uh, what that turns out to be. But again, it's like no no real like uh, there's nothing really wrong with losing to a Floyd Mayweather or a, a Triple G. It's just you want him to kind of take that torch as the next guy. And this would be a guy to beat to do that.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like uh, as far as, far as, you know, us boxing goes, he is the big money player now. Um, you know, May, Mayweather is gone. Um Pacquiao is not the draw that he once was. Um, and, you know, it, uh, boxing needs stars. And then, you know, they do need Canelo, but you know, like, as you said, those guys you know Mayweather and Golovkin they are the very very elite of the sport and there's you know there's very good world champions that just will never make that level and whether Canelo can do it or not I I don't know that's that's that I think that you know this is his chance yeah this is his chance to do it like he's got everything going in his favor this time
0: absolutely this is his time to do it if he if he's going to do it um okay so we, I wanna quickly talk to you about uh, two other fights that are kind of in, in, in the future, one a little bit more immediate than the other. Um, I know we've already been talking for such a long time. Um, Wilder and Joshua, your quick thoughts on that. Wilder had, uh, predictably, uh, from, from your tweets, had a little bit of a tough time with, uh, with uh, Luis Ortiz, um, and Joshua had less of a tough time in, a, in, a, in sort of a, a strange fight. Uh, uh, the other uh, last month or so. Um, and st- I think boxing, you know, it definitely interested in, in them as heavyweights finally meeting up. Joshua, I think, seems fairly interested. Wilder is probably really interested because it'll be a really good payday for him. But there still seems to be a lot of hurdles in into getting that thing together. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it, it, there, there definitely is some hurdles and um, you know, we've seen some strange decisions from Wilder's team, Wilder and his team recently. Like one one of them, uh, I think it was a strange decision to take the fight with Luis Ortiz when there was so much money on the table with, for, for a Joshua fight, t- taking that type of risk. But another one was when his decision not to bother coming to uh, the Joshua Parker fight. Uh, he was invited there to, to work the panel for Sky Sports and he decided not to come, which I don't know who and his team made that decision but like you know this is where this this, this is where his focus should be right now because it's going to be the biggest payday of his entire career I think Wilder probably doesn't realize it himself but he is just by virtue of being attached to Joshua as his rival he's probably a bigger star in the UK than he is in the US Mm -hmm. Um, I know Eddie Hearn is out in America like this coming week because Danny Jacobs has a fight And, you know, he's planning to meet Wilder's team uh, face to face and to try hammer out out a deal to get get the bet done. Now, Hearn is is smart. On each of his U.S. bills, he's had um, Jarrell Miller uh, fight just to get him a little bit of spotlight. And I think that's kind of as a backup plan is if they can't get the Wilder fight over the line, for, for this one, you know, maybe they'll send Joshua to do a fight in America and, you know, he'll fight Jarrell M- Miller because, like, that wouldn't be a big fight. Um, Like, you know, it's not the type of fight they could do in a stadium in the UK, but just to introduce Joshua a little bit more to the U.S. public and build his name for that w- w- while they're fighting, you know, Jarrell Miller would be would be a per- perfect opponent to do, do that to the very, very low-risk low, low fight to just, um, you know, Give him, give Joshua a little bit more expo- exposure in America before they eventually do move to what wa- the Wilder fight. Now, in terms of negotiations, there's been some, again, some curious reporting on this. Whereas I've seen it said that like the amount Joshua's team offered Wilder was insulting. <laughs> uh, that figure was twelve point. Five million dollars. How much money did, uh, did Deontay Wilder make in his last fight? You got me. I uh, think it's two point one was his guarantee. Yeah, I think I, a, I think I think any fight before that it was one point five, one point four million. You know, you're talking six times his best payday, and the offer being called insulting. Did they say what and, they were looking you know, for? Um, what what his team has been saying is that they want a 40% split and they think it's this 100, 100 million fight 100 million dollar fight and Josh, what Joshua said was like if this is a 100 million fight and you want you know you only want forty percent. Give me fifty million million now. That's like you know that that's a, that's giving you more than you want. If you right, give me fifty right. million, the, the fight's in your hands. You have it. You know what I mean? Right. The only way this is the only way this is a big fight is if it's being like you know, is if, if it's being led by the Joshua side. It has to be promoted by her and it has to be in the UK to to spend that type of money because it's not going to spend that type of money in, in the US. Um. So like, and it you know if they do want. To, if they do want to do some kind of split i'm sure Joshua's team will work with them on you know a percentage split split otherwise, split otherwise. but they're not going to pay him 40 to 50 million up front for this type of bout because it would be a huge promotional risk 100 million is a huge fight there has not been that many fights in in history that have that gr- gross 100 million and especially not that are predominantly uk focused because this won't have uh, this won't have U- u.s pay-per-view atta- attached to it like you know if you think about delahoya pacquiao right mm-hmm. people talked about that as being a 70 million dollar fight and do you remember how big that fight was so much bigger yeah so so like you know i think i think you know some of the wilder wilder team just you know what, what, what you're they're, they're saying, one thing publicly, and you know, it's it just it, the, the numbers just aren't adding. The, the numbers are just aren't going to add up to that. Like, I, th- I think you know, both guys will have their best payday of their career if when, when they get it on, and I think it's going to be one of the biggest heavyweight fights. I think it will be the biggest heavyweight fight of the last twenty years. Now, I hundred million to me sounds high, but maybe it can be a sixty seventy million fight. But you know, it just it's just going to take them. S- sitting there da- sitting down together and hashing out those details
0: yep yep absolutely um okay the last m- m- piece of boxing news that i'm interested it, it it's uh manny pacquiao and matisse are, are supposedly fighting but i think the most interesting thing about this is um pacquiao will do so without freddie roach And uh, I don't imagine Boo Boy is going to win Trainer of the Year for 2018. Uh, Does this scare you?
1: It it does a little bit. And is it just an indication of where Manny is at his career? And he just thinks like, okay, I like you know these. I'm not having these major fights anymore. Like you know, it's this is just kind of me making my retirement fund and you know by not having roach there his portion of the purse becomes a lot bigger i suppose i guess um, like maybe that, that's what it is or you know you know there has been friction between him and roach for the last number of years you know i know Freddie had issues with pacquiao's deteriorating performance and you know he said a few times is like if i don't see old money back or if they don't see some improvements that like you know I'm going to call his career you know he doesn't want to see him getting hurt and I think he was getting kind of probably tired with the lack of dedication on Pacquiao's behalf where you know and and I I don't think the lack of dedication or is the right right thing to say I think it's more the lack of focus where you know Pacquiao is going off and he's playing basketball and he's doing his political duties and he's not really getting down to training I, you know you, it, it's been clear that that type of stuff has been fr- frustrating Rocho for the last few years and maybe it has put something of a wedge between them but I don't know like Pacquiao seems to have come down a bit on like, you know, whether this is a, a definitive choice, you know, he may still bring Freddie back for future fights. So maybe he just feels Matisse is the type of fighter he can beat without Roach in his corner. Hmm. It, yeah. It,
0: it, it's, it's scary because what my, and I haven't really dug into a lot of Roach's reasoning. Um, but is there is there anything to do with it based on what you've heard to where Roach is just like you know what I don't want to be involved in 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 this thing because I'm I'm not sure if if you know if Manny is, is not that he's not healthy enough but that you know I mean Roach is a walking example of what can happen you know to to fighters and not to say that. Uh, his disease wouldn't have come if he would have, you know, fought less or whatever. Like nobody knows, but you know, it's it's sort of like just this worry. You know, he's always talked about loving Manny like a son and 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 just caring for him as a human being uh, as much as he does. And and for him not to be involved, I, I wonder if that if there's something to that
1: that was like you know that is was kind of one of the things that i was alluding to there earlier was you know that you know maybe freddie didn't want to see him you know as as a deteriorating fighter but i don't think in this case that is what it is because the split seems to be at least from a pure perspective is coming from manny's side as opposed to you you're not really hearing anything from freddie and i think if freddie had have said he wasn't training him or, you know, he wasn't comfortable training him. Right. Uh, you know, I think that would have came out. Now, is it possible that, you know, Freddie had some reservations about, uh, going into this fight and, you know, he, he questioned, he, he, he had some questions of Manny, and possibly they argued over this, and, you know, and, and then Manny decided to get r- rid of him. Is that a possibility? Maybe so.
0: Um, yeah, but, and, and we'll, I we will hear, I'm sure we'll hear more about this as we get closer. So I wanted to actually talk about Conor McGregor, but I think, uh, just in the fairness of time, especially for you, maybe we'll save that and, and we'll try to come back sooner than later uh, to do another podcast. But, um, the last thing that I wanted to end is, uh, those who have been listening to, uh, our fabulous four podcasts know that, we, we did a bunch and then we took a break and then we kind of came back with like a season two and then we have taken another another break and really what we have left is uh, the last uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran fight, which I don't think either of us are really all that <laughs> excited to talk about, but just in in finishing the project... That is the last fight that we have to talk about, and then there's you know there's the sort of the epilogue the let's you know sort of wrap this whole thing up after this you know several year process of just digging into the 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 depths that that we did w- with these fights and so um you know the i mean the reason to that that the the we couldn't just do them all like in a row is just because like we we have stuff going on like work and family and and uh and such so i think uh i think you and i have uh have will have some time in in the coming future to really get the third episode out and get the epilogue out and then figure out if we want to do anything else related to to the to the history of boxing um but i just wanted to kind of you know update anybody who was kind of wondering what happened like we we will finish it um we we just you know we we need to kind of dig in and and get that last episode done but it's we weren't we weren't going to end without getting to the the last two so that was just kind of the update on my end
1: yeah and um, like i'm looking forward to closing out that series it has gone on much much longer than we planned and i think if we do end up doing another series it will be something a little bit shorter in terms of in terms of uh, its layout, but, you know, it's, it's a series I've really enjoyed doing. It's one of my favorite things we've done is, is, is since we started the spot, side when you know, as you mentioned, we've been doing this nearly 10 years now.
0: Yeah, so if you uh, if you have not heard any of the, the Fabulous 4 stuff, you can actually go to, uh, to the website, to fightgameblog.com, it has its own tab in in the, in the header. Uh, you just click on uh, Fab Four, and every um, there's the, there there's every fight. There is our round by round scoring, and there's the actual link to the podcast, which you can which you can click on, and then you'll see the full length uh, of the, of the show that we did. And, uh, and yeah, so, you know, if you want to catch up, if you've never heard it, we also have some posts of, of just sort of like supplementary, uh, videos of, of things that, uh, that were related to, to some of the fights that we were talking about. So all that stuff is there on that page, uh, on, on the website. So if you, if you are interested, you haven't heard it, you can actually get started, uh, going there. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, we'll we'll finish up that series. You can always go to soundcloud.com front slash fight game pod. You can see all of the podcasts there, uh, including the ones that I just did with uh, with Big D around uh, the road to WrestleMania. The one I did with uh, Big Dave Meltzer after the uh, trip to Long Beach the all the fabulous four stuff is there the first episode of the we want flare podcast that John the and I are doing and yes we are a little delayed in that one too cuz again life gets in the way but we we will we will get uh we will get going again on that and the second uh the second match we're going to talk about is uh, is the battle of the belts 2 against Barry Windham so that will be the focus of the second episode of the of the we want flare podcast so um that's a lot of stuff and uh i appreciate uh doing for hanging out for it uh, for for those who don't know it's like probably like two o'clock in uh for for doing uh right now 2 a.m in the morning so uh thanks for hanging out man i really appreciate you sticking around you know we we had been wanting to do this for a little while so we finally got it got it done
1: yeah no it's good to be back on and we'll start doing these again uh, more frequently all
0: right so Uh, for doing. I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.